0: his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So far, the parable of the father, that's the theme for this morning. The parable of the Father. Four thoughts. A grieving Father. Secondly, a returning to the Father. In the third place, a joyful Father. In the fourth place, being a Father. The parable of the Father. We usually call it the parable of the product of right? so let me just change it a little bit and say the people of the Father. A grieving Father, returning to the Father, a joyful Father, and being a Father. Congregation, it's always important when you study a text in the Bible to read it in its context. Because you completely misunderstand it if you take it out of context. And that is especially true for parables. It's always true, but especially for the parables. Parables, you don't understand them if you don't know why. The Lord Jesus told the parable, and unto whom he spoke. So, so in this morning with this parable, we need to know why. What are the circumstances? What was the reason why the Lord Jesus spoke those three parables? Three? Yeah, a set of three, right? About the lost coin, and the lost sheep, and the lost son. So what is the reason? So we have to go back to chapter 15, verse 1 and 2. Then drew near unto him and to Jesus all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. So, to him, to the Lord Jesus, all the publicans, really? Do we have to take it literally, that all all the publicans and all the sinners, they all came to Jesus from over the whole world? Of course not. All of them means all of them in this place, or many at least in this place. Then, earned him all the publicans and sinners. Why? Why did they come to Jesus? Why they wanted to hear him? Well, they had heard about him, right? And they had heard about him. There was something special to him. He spoke with such a kindness, so honest, so plain, so simple. And they noticed that the Lord Jesus did not ignore them, did not look the other way, did not shun them, those publicans and those sinners, those criminals and adulterers and cheaters and the scum and the thieves and disobedient and the covetous and immoral and the drunk. He did not look the other way. He, he, He saw them. He talked to them. He acknowledged them. So it was rare. because Usually people just ignore those sinners and ignore the publicans and hated them and did not want any contact with them. It was absolutely disconnected from them. And the Lord Jesus just approached them, and spoke to them, and they heard him. But then in verse 2 of this 15th chapter, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured. They just complained. And they said, this man receives sinners. He receives sinners and even eateth with them. So when the Lord Jesus was invited in those houses of those notorious sinners, those public sinners, he did not decline the invitation, but he said, I'm coming. He said, I'm coming. If you want me to be there, I, I I'll be there. And the Pharisees are pointing fingers and said, see that? He receives sinners and he eats with them. That's, that's horrible. You can't do that. You should just cut them off. And he spake this parable unto them. See that? Unto them. Those three parables. He spoke the parables unto them. And unto those sinners, maybe. Maybe. That they could heal it. But also to those Pharisees and scribes who were murmuring and complaining. The Lord Jesus wanted to tell them something. She wants to make a point. So when we read this parable and study the parable this morning, you have to keep in mind he spoke to unconverted people. He spoke to high-minded people. And he spoke to notorious sinners. And maybe there were also his two disciples standing there and it was also a comfort to them. Okay. That he was also speaking to the crowd. They drew near unto him, and he spoke to them. Second thing I would like to mention before we go to the parable. Is this: in those three parables a theme, right? It's a theme. Something that repeats itself. What is it? You say lost and found. That's correct. But this goal once a little deeper. The theme in this in this piece in, this par- in the parables is joy, joy. Because I read in verse six, and when he came home, and he called together his friends and neighbours, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep. I say unto that likewise joy should be in heaven? Over one sin that repenteth. And verse ten likewise I say unto there is joy in the presence of the angels. And in verse 23, and bring hither the first calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. And a few more of those things. So in the Pebble of the Father, the theme is to rejoice. To rejoice. The Father rejoicing, the, the Father rejoicing, God rejoicing, angels rejoicing, Rejo- joy in heaven over sin repented. So, let us also keep that in mind. Joy. Verse eleven: A certain man had two sons. You know, you can love your coins and you can love your sheep. Is that any different from loving your, your, your children? He is their father, not their owner, not their employer. He's their father. It's important to see that. A father figure. And his father was a father in the sense that he raised his children, that he loved them, that he laughed with them, that he played with them, that he talked to them, that he traveled with them, that they bonded well, and he was a father. He was a father. And the father enjoyed their presence and loved to see them. And now one of them is not only moving away, but he's asking for his inheritance. He breaks with home. He wants to live in a far country. He doesn't mind anymore. He doesn't care anymore. I'm going, Dad. I want my money right, right now. I'm, I'm going. And his father somehow had to give or was willing to give the money. I don't know. It's a terrible it's a all. But he left. You know, sometimes God let people make such terrible decisions. We have no free will. But sometimes God let people make such wrong and terrible decisions. And it's also exemplified here. He separates. He breaks away. He disconnects. And his father is not just losing a coin or losing a, a sheep, he's losing a son, he's grieving. It's painful, right? Parents among us also maybe know something of that pain. Pain when children go the wrong direction. Pain, it, it deeply hurts. It's a picture here, not of a child of God straying from the Lord, but a picture of unbelievers, of all of us by nature, maybe outwardly looking good, but inwardly having no use for Jesus and leaving. You may object that. Only God's people have a father? Well, that's actually not true. In the Bible, we also see the word father of God used for being the father of creation or the father of Israel. Malachi 1:6. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? He is the Father, and we have left it in paradise. What well, I say 64, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, and thou art the Father, and we are all the work of thy hand. So we as mankind have also departed, have broken away from the Father, because he is the Father, and we are the clay. So do we realize the pain of the father was such a special bond between the father and the son, and therefore it hurts? Think of Proverbs 10. A wise son makes a glad father. The foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. So we have all been grieving the Lord, all been, all been hurting the Lord, I've been afflicting pain to God. Because when it says, says that the Lord is rejoicing in things, that's real. When the Lord says he is, has grieved him that he made man, that is also real. Grieving the Father. When the Lord gives people a new heart, then they begin to understand that, that they have been grieving the Lord. That becomes the main point. Then I don't feel sorry for myself, but then I feel the pain I have inflicted to God. Grieve then. Brings to the second thought, returning to the Father. And when he had spent all, he went to far country and there wasted substance with riotous living. He was living an extravagant life, worthy life, indulging in the things he below, and dealt with the visible things, not the invisible. He squandered all his money, all his substance, he became a prodigal son, a wasteful son. However, it was only for a while and he had nothing left. What it made even worse was that a famine broke out. And he found a job swine herding feeding the pigs in a pagan country. There was not enough food for the pigs even. And I read in verse 16, and he would fain have filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. I think that means no man gave them this, the swine feed to him. He didn't even get to eat properly. The swine were fed well, but he was not. And then he came to himself. I looked at that expression. Came himself. I thought, what word is that in Greek? What does that mean? To, ke- to come to yourself. It must be just a special word. Coming to yourself. Or. Actually, not. It says it literally. Come to yourself. Alton eauton. Come to yourself. So he did not come to his father he didn't come to his brother. He came to himself. He was a stranger to himself. And he met himself. He visited himself. He came to himself. He said, hey, who are you? Would like to talk to you? He came to himself. He looked at himself in the mirror. He had never done it before. He never realized who he was. He was a stranger of his own soul, of his own self. He didn't know himself. Now he came to himself. He said, who are you? What did you do? How foolish you have been. And he had an an open talk with himself. See? Do you sometimes visit yourself. You sometimes come to yourself. It's so healthy. Talk to yourself. Visit. You know, you can talk a lot with other people. And at the parties and birthday parties, you talk to people and to customers. And, but, but, but when do you talk to yourself? So he came to himself and he said to himself, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. What am I doing? What a fool I am. It's just absolutely dumb. He came to himself. He understood now that his father's servants were better off than he was now I don't have time in this short sermon to talk about servant but you know you could study that at home this afternoon in Romans 6 do you remember that Romans 6 you see six times your servant in the verses 16 through 22. Look at that. Six times servant in Romans 6, from verse 16. Servant. He came to himself. Not only came to himself, he did not only come to the conclusion. That he was wrong, he said, "I will arise, I will arise." So there was a decision, right? I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, "Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. I've sinned against God. I've sinned against thee." So a decision, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. He felt unworthy of that, made me as one of thy high servants, and he arose. So he came to himself first. He decided, I will arise, and he arose. He went. So that is important. It's important that we come to ourselves and that we Receive the choice and make the choice. I will arise. I'm going back. I can't continue like this. Something needs to happen. A kind of urgency. Something changed in his heart. I will arise. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going home. And then also not only saying that. I will arise. But also Go. And he arose. Sometimes people come to themselves and then live there. Sometimes people come to themselves and make a decision, "I'm going to see the Lord." But they never do. And, and, and some, by God's grace do, and they, they rise and they go, they go back, returning home. You know, as I said, there's not much time. But let me bring this home with a text of Isaiah 55. I love the text. It's also about coming. Not only realizing, not only deciding, but also coming. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the righteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So that's an invitation, a calling for all of us. Not only for notorious sinners, not only for people that have made huge mistakes in their lives, but also for, for all of them that deny Christ and Prefer this world over God. Let the wicked forsake his way. Return. Let him return. We find that quite often in the Bible. Let him return. Come back. And then the third thought, a joyous father. He rose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. How can it be? He was so far away, a great way off, yeah. And his father saw him already because he was waiting for him, he was alert. He was looking at the, at the road and looking at the horizon if he would see the silhouette of his sun coming. He was hoping. And the Lord Jesus told this parable to the Pharisees and to those sinners that came to him. When he was a great way off, his father saw him. He was on his mind He had not forgotten him. He was grieving, but still loving, still loving. And he had compassion. That is a word that explains to be moved as to one's bowels, the dictionary says. Moved. He saw him. At the end of the road, he saw him, that man coming. And he was, he had compassion. He was moved in his bowels. It tells us something of who God is, That's right? And had compassion and ran. His father did not wait for him. Did not hope that he was coming to run after him. This father ran towards him, did not walk up to him, but ran. And he fell on his neck and kissed him. I haven't heard anything yet. I haven't heard anything, any apology yet. Before he apologized, before he confessed his sins, before he said anything, When he was a a great way off, his father sighed and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know, this is a beautiful text about God's people being visited by the the Lord, the Lord ran towards them. But you have to keep in mind this is a parable. The Lord Jesus told to the people that were murmuring and to the people that came to hear those sinners and publicans so the Lord Jesus preached to those people something about God and he preached about God that God is a compassionate God and he sees you he sees all of you he does not only see his people be converted but he sees these people. And he is filled with compassion with the multitude. The Lord Jesus is not only compassionate about his people and the elect, but he with the whole multitude. Right after we see that, the Lord Jesus being filled with compassion, seeing the multitude having no shepherd. And he fell on his neck. You know, Okay, no, no. that dirty man, Hey, he stinks. And the way he's dressed, and the way he has lived, would you not like to keep at a at bay? And say, wait a moment, not, not, don't get close to me. And then having a hug of him, to hug him, to fell on his neck and kiss him, that is absurd. But that is it is terrible. And the son said unto his father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Right. But this father was so glad, was so happy to have this sinner back. A joyous father. Joy. Because there's love. You know, baptism this morning, point to that. Baptism spoke about compassion. Baptism says the Lord continues with his work and the Lord saves the people from their sins and he's willing to save them who are unworthy of being called a son. He continues with saving a people for himself. And the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, the best one, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet to bring him to the feathered calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. This father was so extremely happy. He's back. He's back. We think about him all the time, every day. Every day. He's back. And he loves that boy. And he cares for that young man. And he says, The best robe you are just restored in your old relationship. They were a fluent family, right? So the best robe was for him and no new ring. The ring also, a family ring, we think. And, and and shoes. So he was restored as a son, as a child of oh God. I don't think we uh, can say the rope means this, and the sandals mean that, and the first calf means Lord Jesus, something, something. I just don't have the film to say that. But. For sure, the Lord Jesus tells the people here that his son was restored as son, and they began to be merry, joy. The Lord Jesus told those Pharisees and scribes, remembering that he rejoices in talking to those people, that he rejoices in saving those people. And that they have had no understanding of that. Now, the oldest son was in the field. And when he heard about this, and heard about his brother that he, that, he, that, he, that he was back, and that his father had also butchered the fat calf, he was angry angry he couldn't understand this his father never did this to him his father never gave him the car with his friends so he didn't, didn't, didn't understand and his father heard that and his father came out of the house also for him and his father said come in Be merry with us. He refused. What is that? Why does he refuse that? That is pride and that is selfishness. So when we are proud, then we feel better than our brother. Then we we are selfish, then we don't really care for the other. So joy of God, Isaiah 65, and I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her and nor the voice of crying. So it speaks in Isaiah 65 about the joy in my people, rejoicing in Jerusalem. God's people will enter into the joy of the Lord. So the Lord rejo- rejoicing in them. Like a bridegroom, rejoice over the bride, so thy God, so rejoice over thee. Joy of God in his people. Returning to the Father, a joyful Father. Again, the the baptism speaks about that joy. Don't think the Lord has anything against you coming to him. Taking refuge into him, God is happy to receive you. I may say to the whole congregation on the basis of this of this parable. But it's not enough to only realize or to decide. You also need to come and to repent and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a gift of God, I know, but that's yet necessary, right? And the Lord is your willing God. So don't have the wrong thoughts of him. A grieving father returning to the Father. A joyful father. Being a father. Last thought. In this parable, we see something of what the father is like. And we learn also something for natural life. How fathers need to deal with their children. Grown-up children. Little children. So let's go back. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Fathers, Do you see them? Do you see your children? Yeah, Of course. The same tale. No. Are they on your radar screen? Are they part of your life? Do you focus on them? Are they really your children? And do you pay attention? And Are they there for you? And he saw them. I had compassion on that. Fathers have the responsibility to, let me say, homeschool the children. Responsibility to talk Bible with them, to speak with them about the sermon, to speak about them about the Bible story they heard in school. We need to support that. Fathers especially should take that responsibility and not leave it in the responsibility of mom. Fathers should not provoke the children to anger, but raise them and nourish them in the fear of the Lord, as the Bible says. And the purpose of raising children should be what? What what should the purpose be of fathers raising the children? That they do well uh, 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 academically? That they have a good job? They are decent people? What is the purpose? And the purpose of it should be that they may rejoice in the Lord, right? When we raise children only with rules, and being consequential and if you only force them to obey we can, we can do that you can force children to obey and there have half rules right but as soon as they are adults they, you can force them anymore so you need something else but force and being consistent you need a bond with them. You need to see them when they are young and have compassion with them. Be, Be there together. It's proven that fathers and mothers have very little influence and impact if they don't have a bond. So bond with them and be there for them. And what would you like to see then? Well, what I like to see in, in my children or grandchildren is just a few things. They would stick up for that bullied kid in the class. Stick up for him. I would be so proud of that. What I would like to see is that children would say, I would like to pray for grandma. She is not well. But I like to see the children say when they grow up. I would like to join the choir and sing praises to God because I I love to sing those, the truth. Or I would like like it if they enjoy discussing the sermon or are interested in the Bible. When they like to donate money to charity when they are making the first the first money. When they encourage their brothers and the sisters to see the Lord. Is that not not not, not, not 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 important? So being a father is important. I read in three John one verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That's such a joy. No greater joy. And where is the Lord Jesus in this story? In this Bible story? In this parable? He spoke it. He spoke it because he is God himself. And the Bible also speaks about the joy of Christ. We read about that in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy was set before him, and through the cross, despite the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So for the joy that was set before him, so in heaven there will be joy, you will be merry, son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was me that we should be make, that we should make merry and be glad. It's fitting. I expected from you. It was me that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again. So by nature we are dead and the Lord made him alive by the power of his spirit. That's what this indicates. It indicates making alive. That's what we need. And holy baptism speaks of that wonder, that they that dead will rise from the dead and will live. Congregation, this parable, is very unusual. Many Jews have only the Old Testament, have never heard it. Many Muslims have never seen and heard something like it. It's just so beautiful. And we have the privilege of knowing this panel, but may the Lord make it new and fresh. So we say, what an amazing grace! that God has found a wretch like me meditate on this think of Romans 6 being a servant of the Lord is better than being serving this world Amen